You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on sqpn.com. The Secrets of Star Trek. These are the conversations on the StarQuest Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore the world of Star Trek, to seek out new ideas and ancient inspiration, to boldly reveal what no eye has seen before. Please input command codes. Do you mind telling me what this is all about? Captain, I suggest the Vulcan mind probe. When we run analysis, we should have some explanations. Captain, I'll check the engines. The warp drive, that's a hopeless pile of junk. Can you give me warp eight? Aye, sir. And maybe a wee bit more. I'll sit on the warp engines myself and nurse them. That position, Mr. Scott, would not only be unavailing, but also undignified. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Secrets of Star Trek, a show that is entirely dedicated to one of the biggest science fiction franchises ever. Well, of course, we've got Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica and that sort of stuff, but nothing, nothing really uh, is has been as influential, I think, on the world of sci-fi as, uh, as Star Trek. And I think technically Star Wars isn't even considered to be sci-fi because it's, it's more fantasy. To jo- uh, joining me today to talk about Star Trek, uh, our longtime friend Mike Kuypers. How are you doing, sir? Well, fine, thank you, Father. It's, it's good to be back. It's great to have you back on the bridge of the StarQuest Enterprise and also joining us, the uh, executive director of SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, Steve Nelson in Tulsa, <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Father, Mike, and all our listeners. It's great to have you here. back on the show as well. It's been forever since we recorded an episode, and I, I, I think that before we uh, uh, go on and talk about our topic of today, I might... Uh, owe you an explanation. The reason that we've not been recording new episodes is that um, I've been traveling quite a bit. We had this big conference in Boston a couple of weeks ago, uh, the CNMC, the Catholic New Media or, uh, New Media Celebration, and both Steve and I um, have been very busy. Well, Steve has been very busy with the preparations of that big conference, and. Um, and, and before we had that conference, I, we both went to Philadelphia for another uh, conference. And, uh, well, Steve, how, how was your, uh, your, what's your general feeling about the way the, the whole conference uh, went? Oh, I thought, it, I thought it was fantastic. You know, this is the third time that we've done it. And just the energy that has sort of persisted since it and just all of the relationships and everything. I think it was just a fantastic conference for us. I, I thought it was really exciting to meet some of the our listeners to this particular show. Uh, so some people came up to me and and, and told us and, and told me, you know, secrets of Star Trek. It's, I've been waiting for that show for all my life, <laughs> being <laughs> a Trekkie and and I'm Catholic, and now it's kind of the best of both worlds. <laughs> and um, and over time, we've been uh, we've been gathering quite a bit, quite a quite an audience, and uh, I, I've been looking at the download statistics, and we're getting more and more listeners. So I hope that we can. Uh, 
satisfy the curiosity of all these trackies out there and that we can uh, stay uh, consistent when it comes to the frequency of the show and also the quality of the show. But I have no doubt with it, with uh, Steve and, and Mike on board, at least two people here of the three know, know something about Star Trek. I'm just pretending. <laughs> and then when I got back from uh, Boston, I actually went on vacation in the southwest of France for two weeks and there was no internet there, not even cell phone. So it, there was just nothing there. It was just completely off the grid. As being on a, it felt like being on a remote planet, and the the Enterprise was very far away. But we're back. Unfortunately, not the whole crew could join us today. We're still uh, kind of trying to work out a good schedule uh, with all these different time zones on this planet to to be able to uh, beam up to the bridge at the same time. But today, I'm glad that we are at least three, and. Um, Today I want to I want to talk about a topic that was uh, suggested by one of our listeners, and uh, let me read this email that I received a while ago. It was sent to me by Patrick. He's from uh, from Michigan, and he writes, uh, "I I've attached to this email a number of audio clips that I captured at the Toronto Fan Expo. Um, it these are audio clips." of a talk by Leonard Nimoy and in his talk he answered various questions from the audience he talked about his personal life and career and even about the new Star Trek movie and his role in that and so Patrick sent me a couple of excerpts from that talk and so I figured it would be awesome to play those files he recorded it himself during that event and um, and and let's talk about Spock. Let's talk about the evolution of the character of Spock and why this character is still un, uh, still today one of the m- most famous and most well known and beloved uh, characters in the whole Star Trek saga. So uh, let's beam down to uh, to Toronto, or let's do some. It's actually, uh, it's, it's more time travel. <laughs> Let's go back to that conference and listen to what uh, Leonard Nimoy has to say, first of all, about his thoughts on the new movie. Uh, he talks a bit about his own Jewish background, and uh, he even reveals something about the origin of the Vulcan hand symbol. Let's uh, let's see what he's got to um, say. It's a very moving issue. Oh, <laughs> I've got a little bit of a hard drive problem here. So, Scotty, Scotty, get that hard drive working, will you? <laughs> and it's a very moving experience for me. And so, yeah, he so he starts talking about uh, about his experience in working on the new Star Trek movie. This is the truth, no joke. Um, to see what we began so long ago. Uh, all of us, Bill Shatner and DeForest Kelly and, and uh, Walter Koenig and George Takei and, and Michelle Nichols and all of these wonderful people, uh, and the writers and the producers and, and the directors, uh, to see that work carried on, to see that baton passed to this very talented bunch of people, talented writers, talented directors, talented <laughs> actors and wardrobe people, costumes, this massive <laughs> production gigantic scale that we never could afford to do that they can now afford to do because the audience is there now it was very moving to me very moving to me and the scenes that i played with with chris pine and zachary quinto 
very touching to me to see that character move on like that. And, and, and at the end, when Quinto comes on board and offers his services as a science officer and, and Kirk says it would be an honor, I thought, wow, that's very touching, you know, to see, to see that happen. Uh, I'm very proud of that movie and the people who made it. I, I think they did great work. It means a lot to me to have that perpetuated. It means a lot. Yes, the lady in the aisle. What, what happened to your hair? <laughs> your what? I assume the girl has some fancy green hair or something like that. Are you serious? <laughs> Does your mom know about that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want to make sure I understand you. As a Jewish actor, coming into that role as a Jewish actor, yes, I never saw myself as a Jewish actor. I'm a, I happen to be Jewish, and I'm an actor. <laughs> so you want to know how the cultures crossed over? Yeah. I, I, um, I wrote, in, I wrote in, uh, in my first book, I think, and I am not Spock, I wrote about that, about the fact that I felt alienated as a young, young uh, adolescent, teenager. Uh, I was uh, Jewish growing up in a very Catholic city. Boston is a very Irish Catholic city. And, and, um, and in fact, I went to Boston College for a brief time, a Jesuit school, where the, the Jesuits took good care of me, and I was, and I was, did a lot, I was blessed a lot by the Jesuits. Uh, and I was comfortable with it. I'm fine with that. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very relaxed with all of that. But what I found uh, useful was my understanding of what Spock was experiencing as an alienated character. Because his, his, as the movie tells us, his mother is human, his father's Vulcan, so on the Vulcan planet he's considered a half-breed, and he's a, sort of an outcast, doesn't belong really on Earth because he's this strange alien creature, so he finds a home in, in Starfleet where, he can, where, where his, his alien aspect is acceptable, and he's a member of Starfleet, a full-fledged member of, of a ship in, in Starfleet. Uh, I found it useful to have had to bring my alienated experience as a young boy into that character, and, and I, felt, I found myself at home with Spock. And, and that is true, you probably know the story about how this began, but I'll, I'll tell it to you briefly. We're doing an episode called A Mock Time. I thought it was a wonderful episode, beautifully written by Theodore Sturgeon, and, and very well directed. And uh, it was the first time the words live long and prosper was spoken, was in that episode. And we're going to Vulcan to, to meet um, uh, Spock's uh, uh, Vulcan uh, peers, and, and Spock is betrothed to, to be married. He's, he's in the mating season. It happens once every seven years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's quite an event, I would say. Um, and well worth waiting for. <laughs> so uh, we go to Vulcan, and, uh, and I, was, I was particularly keen to find... Uh, possibilities to, to develop the Vulcan culture because this was the first time we're seeing other Vulcans. First time we're going to the, the Vulcan planet and seeing another. We'd only seen Spock, the only Vulcan, was the only Vulcan we'd seen up to that point. So we get to the planet and, and I'm to meet Tipal, the lady who's going to officiate at the ceremony, and, uh, and she's a very important figure. We discover that she's the matriarch of the planet. She says, welcome home, Spock. And I say something like, well, it's nice to be here, and thank you. And uh, I said to the director, I, I think we should find something that, that Vulcans do when they, when they meet. What is it about the Vulcan people? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, uh, humans shake hands with each other. And, 
and military people salute each other. Asian people often bow to each other when they meet. What do Vulcans do? And he said, well, what do you like to do? So I thought back to my, my Jewish uh, cultural heritage when I was a kid, going to the high holiday services with my family. Uh, there came a, comes a point in the service where the congregation is blessed by a group of gentlemen who are known as Kohanim. They are the members of the priestly tribe. They bless the congregation with a blessing that translates into, we find it in the New Testament as well, may the Lord bless you and keep you, may the Lord cause his countenance to shine upon you, may the Lord turn his graciousness unto you and grant you peace. And when they do this, the congregation is standing, I'm with my father and my brother and my grandfather, women are segregated at the Orthodox service, women are upstairs in the balcony, my mother and grandmother, and we're standing and my father said to me, don't look. Well, I was eight years old, and I, I peeked. So what's going on, you know? And in fact, the whole congregation got their eyes covered with their hands and their prayer shawls over their heads. And I hear this chanting, this wailing sound, these gentlemen up in front of the congregation chanting in Hebrew, which I didn't understand. But uh, I was curious about what they were doing up there. And I looked and I peeked, and I saw them doing this to the congregation. It's an absolutely magical thing. Every time I do that, flashbulbs go off. <laughs> Probably holding out his hands or something. So uh, I had no idea what it was all about, but I was doing as I was told, except that I was peeking and not supposed to. And I, I was fascinated by this uh, by this gesture, and I learned to do it. I didn't think it would. I didn't know it would come in handy someday. But anyway, I said to the director, "Why don't Why don't we have Vulcans do this?" And he said, "He had no idea what it was." And he said, "Okay, fine. That's we'll do that." So we went to the actress who was playing Depau, and he's the director, said, Leonard, we'll do that, and he'll respond. And uh, we had to help her because she hadn't practiced it like I had. So she, she couldn't really do it very well. We had, she held her right hand ready with her left hand. And when the time came, when I raised my hand, she was ready, and she raised hers, and that's how we got her to do it. <laughs> so, hi. Uh, Fascinating stuff, isn't it? <laughs> now, be honest. Can you do the the Vulcan salutation without without peeking, without uh, using your other hand to separate the fingers, Steve? Oh yeah, I can do it. I can do it with either hand too. Show I've me. Practiced for you know thirty <laughs> years, probably. <laughs> I can do it. I'm, I'm showing it to the camera right now. <laughs> But I've been practicing a lot as well. <laughs> but isn't this isn't this amazing? Can, the 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 backstory. Yeah, Mike, you, you were saying. Oh, I was going to say I can sort of do it. It's my my little pinky is is <laughs> not it's not quite touching my uh, ring finger. <laughs> but that's the best I can do. You know, I've never been able to uh, to do it. Totally. What a, what an amazing story that actually the whole salutation, both the salutation and the gesture have uh, Jewish roots. And it's actually a gesture of, of blessing in the Jewish tradition. I, I think that Spock himself would call this... Um, Fascinating. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, I didn't... Well, I, I knew that he was... Uh, uh, had a Jewish Jewish background but I I kind of figured that you know a lot of actors have religious backgrounds and but that doesn't 
say anything, but I found it extremely interesting to hear that he used his experience as a boy growing up in Boston, of all places. I mean, I've, we've just been to Boston. <laughs> RCNMC <laughs> was in Boston, and I can attest to the fact that Boston is indeed a very Catholic city. Uh, but that he was raised by Jesuits. I mean, the Jesuits are kind of the the Vulcans of the Catholic Church, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if we want to get into a full discussion of that topic. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that are not Catholic, the, the, the Jesuits, it's, it's, it's one of these orders that you have in the Church. So the Catholic Church consists of many different members, of course, but over time and throughout history, people of a certain spirituality have uh, formed groups and... Um, uh, Ignatius of Loyola has created this group of people, followers, and they are called the the Jesuits, and uh, or um, the Company of Jesus. That's how it's uh, officially uh, that's officially the the name uh, of of that group, and they have a. Um, they, they are a very strong organization in the Catholic Church, uh, with a huge emphasis on studying on on reflection, theology, literature. I mean, it's a very intellectual uh, movement. And they used to be very, uh, very influential as well. And there have been several times in the history of the Catholic Church that there that there were conflicts between uh, the, uh, the... I was... I was about to say the Vulcans between the Jesuits and the and the Pope and the Vatican, and so there have been kind of these struggles. Now, of course, that's a thing of the past. But if you want to know more about uh, the background of the Jesuits, and and I I wouldn't be surprised if there were more parallel parallels between you know the Jesuits and the Vulcans. Um, check out uh, another show on sqpn.com called Catholic Under the Hood by uh, Father Seraphim Bishoner. He's an expert when it comes to church history, and he's got some fascinating stories in his show about the history of the Jesuits. But so interesting to see that uh, Leonard Nimoy grew up as a Jewish boy in a Catholic environment, and that that gave him kind of material to... um, to use in his acting in, 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 in being kind of this half-blood Vulcan-slash-human person uh, or character that he could draw upon his experiences in the past. For, for actors, uh, that's always very important that when you want to play a certain uh, emotion, then it's often extremely useful if you had similar emotions in the past because you can just kind of evoke that and and recall that and that will help you give a more believable uh, performance so I guess that when he was doing the he was narrating the story of the you know he, he him being there with his father and the rest of the family that the the gesture that the uh, the, the the prayer who was giving the blessing was making was it was probably the orante so it's kind of you you extend both hands and uh, and and that is a uh, kind of a gesture of of blessing. It's 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 kind of a, a biblical uh, a gesture because in the past, whenever people would give a blessing, and even in in the Old Testament already, they would use their hands to symbolize that, or they would put their hands on the heads of people. And uh, there are many psalms, for instance, where it says that God, you know, He puts His hand on. On us, he, his hand is protecting us, so it's a it's a very symbolic gesture. And then I don't know, he he must have, I don't know, the person who was giving the blessing probably I don't know had his his fingers in in the in the Vulcan in the Vulcan way. That's probably wasn't probably intentional, and so he kind of 
was inspired by that. So the Vulcans, um, yeah, I guess they're more religious than you would think. <laughs> which, which actually is a is a question. Um, the Vulcans, of course, are the. It's all about logic. It's all about not negating your your emotions it's not that they don't have emotions but it's like emotions are not functional anymore and emotion emotions led to a lot of war and a lot of violence in the past and so the vulcan race has has learned to suppress emotions in order to be able to live a peaceful life and a life dedicated to i don't know science and discovery but um steve or mike uh, am am i wrong to assume that they they're I, I I thought that religion did play a part in the in the Vulcan tradition, or does it? Doesn't it? Well, when you you look at um, at some of the various episodes and movies, whenever they visit Vulcan, they usually appear in some sort of a temple, I guess. And you know the they definitely have artwork and they have music and they have stylish dress or at least cultural dress of some kind. So I don't think that they have totally gotten rid of their culture. I think the logic probably um, helps them manage their warlike nature. Well, and, um, the, and there are and all, so yeah. I imagine they do have a religion of some kind, but it's mm-hmm. it's maybe kind of um, hidden by their by their logic. What, what always struck me in the way that they depicted Vulcan, the planet Vulcan, and all that is that it is an extremely ritualistic uh, society. And, and a lot of the initiation rites that uh, Spock or one of the other Vulcans have to go through in order to reach maturity or whatever, um, all those rituals are very uh, uh, reminiscent of, of religious uh, uh, traditions and, and, and religious rituals. I mean, the whole when, when, when Spock is resurrected and he's on that planet in, I don't know what movie is, The Search for Spock, where that happens... Or, uh, you know, you see him on Vulcan and he's in this white dress and at first he doesn't even recognize his friends anymore. And, 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 and he's been going through this whole very important long ritual of, was it kind of rebirthing or something like that? I mean, all that has very strong undertones of, of, of religious inspiration. It's, it's kind of the, the white cloth as a symbolism of uh, rebirth, you know. Uh, it's... it's, it's uh, uh, it reminded me strongly of the ritual in the Paschal night in the past when people were baptized. They would be baptized during the night and then they would get this new white alb, this 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 white dress to symbolize this new start, you know, and I've been cleansed from my sins and from my previous life and I'm, I'm ready to write a new page uh, in, 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 in my history uh, with God. And so I think that even though um, it might not have been on purpose, uh, there is a, there are a lot of kind of religious undertones in the in the way that they depict the Vulcan society, which seems to be a bit um, contradictory. Because why would you need all those rituals if your whole society is built upon logic and science? You know, it doesn't it seem to be a little bit out of place to have that? I mean, <laughs> aren't there aren't all these Vulcans still messing around with candles all the time when they go and meditate? <laughs> well, I, I don't. I don't know about that. I mean, we have rituals all throughout our society. You know, even if you might not recognize them. I mean, like 
you know, if you you stand up when the priest walks in or you stand up when the flag goes by or whatever, we have all these little rituals and it just helps us sort of work together as a culture. So I, it sounds it's logical to me that we would ritualize or the Vulcans would ritualize things. <laughs> so you think it's it's logical? <laughs> well, I don't think it's illogical to you know to ritualize things. You're turning into a Vulcan <laughs> yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking around. I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just like Spock would. Uh, I'm looking around on uh, Memory Alpha. Uh, which is memory-alpha.org, which is which is a great repository of information about Star Trek, um, and they have an entry about Vulcan religion or at least Vulcan religious artifacts or something. So here is uh, an entry about the Temple of Amunach. It's one of the most sacred sites on Vulcan. Um, let's see. This is about Tapel. There are priests at the Temple of Amunach. They say prayers for Tuvok's safe return. So this is in Voyager. So Vulcans do pray. Um, there's another uh, entry about Mount Celia. Uh, let me read that. Mount Celia was a sacred mountain located on the planet Vulcan at the far end of Vulcan's forge. During the 3rd century, Surak discovered his philosophy of pure logic on Mount Celia, which remained the site where rituals such as the Kash, the Kaswan and Kolinar took place. So interesting, uh, the, the mountain, of course, that, that is straight from Old Testament uh, stories, where in order to know God's will, a guy like Moses, he went on the mountain, and the mountain was the place where you would meet God, and it's it's... I mean, it's kind of a, it's a very strong symbol. You, you literally, sometimes a mountain is surrounded by clouds, you know, you, you go towards the heavens and, and, it, and you separate yourself from your day-to-day -day life in order to receive kind of superior knowledge or insight or whatever, or divine inspiration. And so the Vulcan society also has these places, these sacred places where you go to, you know, to receive inspiration or in this case the the, the logic the 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 whole philosophy of, of based on logic it's, a, it's it's very interesting and then of course that is that is it makes sense that um, the writers of Star Trek uh, used um, biblical stories as, as a sort as one of the sources of inspiration you see that a lot in science fiction uh, they draw upon that and I, I guess that for uh, for Leonard Nimoy uh, it, it must have been Well, again, for him too, he says it himself. It's been a source of inspiration for his portrayal of uh, of Spock. And so uh, there's a little bit more to this interview. Um, let's see if I can still play that before the end of the show. Let, let's give it a try here. Let's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo. But, uh, I guess that was the end. Or was it? Or No, no, wait. It's, again, hard drive failure. <laughs> What, what did you say? I'm saying? <laughs> why, why do Vulcans have their emotions? Hide. Hide their emotions? Oh. Well, in the Vulcan history, emotions caused a lot of trouble. So they decided to do away with emotions and, and function only logically, using their brain more than, more than their feelings to avoid difficulties and avoid trouble wars and things like that 
But that's a very good question. Thank you. So anyway, that's how we got it, how and why we got it in the show. I've discovered later, I learned later, that this is the shape of the letter Shin in the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, it's the first letter in a number of very important words in the Hebrew language. It's the first letter in the word Shaddai, which is God's name. And that's why they do it in this ceremony. They use a symbol of God's name as they're blessing the congregation. Okay, thank you. And it's also the first letter in the word Shalom, which means peace. So it's a very important word, and that's why they're using that gesture. I also found out much, much later that you're not supposed to look because the belief is that during that ceremony, the Shekhinah, the feminine aspect of God, comes into the sanctuary to bless the congregation. And in she being a deity, she gives off such a powerful light you could be injured if you see that light, so you protect yourself by covering your eyes. And I, I peeked and I survived, but anyway, that's the story. And that's why I published a book called Shekhinah, which is about that feminine aspect of God, photographs of, of the feminine deity. That's, that's, that's the story. Um, um, just three days, two or three days after that episode went on the air, when we saw this for the first time, uh, I was in Cleveland for an appearance on a weekend, and we stopped at a traffic light, uh, driving, stopped at a traffic light, and the car pulled up beside us. Very pretty young lady recognized me, and she waved at me like that with the gesture. I was really excited because that's, that's the first time I ever saw it come back at me. It's been many, many, many times since then. But that was the first time, and I, I rolled down the window, and I said to her, can you do it with your left hand? And she got about that far, and she said, I'm sorry, I speak it with an accent. <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> He's a funny guy, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> While I was playing this, it turned out I was wrong. It was not just a regular uh, blessing gesture, but it is definitely—it is really the Vulcan salute that is part of this Jewish ritual. I actually found a whole Wikipedia entry about the Vulcan salute, and it—it—it. Uh, it, 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 It has here in writing what we just heard Leonard Nimoy say. Um, it is based on the priestly blessing performed by Jewish Kohanim with both hands. So the, the, the difference is you use both hands for that. Uh, thumb to thumb in this same position representing the Hebrew letter Shin, which has three upward strokes similar to the position of the thumb and fingers in the salute. The letter Shin here stands for Shaddai, meaning Almighty God. So that's interesting. So the the Vulcan gesture is actually symbolizing a letter of the of the Jewish alphabet, or the Hebrew alphabet, I should say, that is a symbol for Shaddai, for the Almighty God. So wow, these Vulcans are much more religious than I than I thought. And on the Wikipedia entry, there is even a photo of this blessing gesture depicted on the gravestone of Rabbi, Rabbi and Kohan Meskulam from 1739. And you see this, this gravestone and you see the two hands doing the, the Vulcan salute. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> live long and so it, live long and prosper was, um, uh, was inspired also by this Jewish greeting Um, and and it, apparently this is very common in the in the Middle East as a, as a greeting, uh, peace be upon you, 
uh, and variations thereof. So that too. So it's 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 all inspired by uh, Eastern and 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 Hebrew uh, culture. Fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> really fascinating. Hey, I've got a final <laughs> quote about fascinating. Please, Spock, do me a favor and don't say it's fascinating. No, but it is interesting. <laughs> there you go. It's it's uh, yes. it's very interesting. interesting. Well, I always thought that for somebody who's supposed to be very logical, Spock had a great sense of humor. <laughs> definitely, I think that's what 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 why he's so appealing. Uh, because he's yeah. he's not just logical. And even in the in the movie, in the new movie, I thought that um, what's his name? Who does uh, Spock? Um, uh, Zachary Zachary Quinto. Quinto. Yeah, from from Heroes oh. fame. Um, he he too did a great job of of being at the same time very logical, very cool, and distant. And at, uh, but that was also something funny about his performance, especially the way that the interaction and the chemistry with uh, with Kirk. Uh, I thought it was uh, a, a a brilliant continuation of the of the relationship between uh, the old Spock and the old Kirk. And, and talking about the the new movie, uh, did you guys see that uh, they are currently in in pre-production? I think for the second movie. Oh, great! It's it's. I'm looking uh, forward to it. I think it's going to be out next year or something. I should look that up probably before I say this on the show. But uh, <laughs> but I'm super excited, and I really hope that we uh, that 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 this is not just one sequel, but that we'll see many sequels. I'm I'm a tad disappointed that there wasn't. Uh, a TV show as a follow-up to the movie, and I don't know why they didn't do that. But uh, I, I really, I need, I need more Star Trek on TV. I've, I've been watching a lot of uh, the Next Generation lately. I'm still watching the second season. It's not good. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it, that show goes down to drain in the second season. Just a couple of horrible episodes. But uh, I know, I, I, I know that it's, it gets better over time. So I'm just holding out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a completist. I want to see all those episodes. Hey, I've got some more um, recordings of that particular talk by Leonard Nimoy. But I guess uh, we'll have to save that until uh, the next episode of The Secrets of Star Trek. I'm so glad to uh, to be back with the show. We've got two more episodes to wrap up this first season of this series. And then we will dive into uh, a second season, or we will be recording a second season. I'm not sure if we will... Uh, immediately put it out but we're gonna uh, analyze the original series so uh, thanks Steve thanks Mike to uh, for joining me on the bridge of the StarQuest Enterprise thanks to our listeners for uh, staying subscribed and if you have some time go over to uh, iTunes and give us a positive review or some stars there as a rating that will bring new people to uh, to the show as well so until next time God bless and uh, let's say the Vulcan way live long and prosper. And prosper.